boy, I'm long range. Me and the team on the same thing. Stay down, never switched up. Only thing changed was the game. I'm in the zone now. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Switzer. I have my co-host Amy Radowski with me. And we are privileged to have with us Adrian Bosman, the man, the myth, the legend. Oh man, I don't I don't know if I'm deserving of a myth myth status at this point, but I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, one of the one of the que- questions I had for you off the top. People have been talking about this that in some form or another it'd be cool to bring back Roe versus Boz. Now I know that like the two of you may not be able to do that because of what you do now, but in some form or fashion it gave people a realistic view of an open announcement. I mean, I'm all about it. I I love Rory McKernan. Uh, you know, he's a good friend of mine. We've been friends forever. And uh, yeah, that would be a lot of fun. Uh, even if it was just something that was kind of unofficial, those were always good times. Um, you know, we do have the custom leaderboard function and I have created that in the past. So maybe we can, uh, you know, just get one of those going and people can look in on it. But if I'm perfectly honest about it, dude, he's fit right now. And uh, I think uh, I think it might not go so well for me, but but that's okay. That's not the uh, not the point, right? Yeah, you moved away from California where you got to hang out with all your buddies at the gym. Now you're in Nashville kind of doing it on your own. Um, that brings me to like, what are you doing today to stay fit? You know, it's a good question. Uh, I would say that the last year or two have not been at the... Uh, highest peak of fitness for me personally but that's all right you know you ebb and flow with such things um so i do a lot of jujitsu these days if i'm honest that's uh, my kind of three four days a week routine and then i had been catch as catch can with crossfit uh but come the new year i started getting a little bit more dedicated that way and so right now i'm trying to get two lifting sessions two kind of more traditional CrossFit sessions and then jujitsu on top of that. So that's what I've been doing since January. Hopefully that'll put me in a decent enough position when the open rolls around that I can do okay. But you will be doing the open. Oh yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, I do awesome. it every year. Yep. Yeah. And how many years of the open is this for you? Everyone? Everyone, yes. Yeah. So this will be 14, 14th year. Nice. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I, I have a, a an offbeat question. I know you're a vinyl collector. Those are my favorite kind. You're you're a vinyl collector. You're now living in Nashville, the music capital of the world. Does it make collecting vinyl harder or easier being there? It's a dangerous tightrope to walk. Right by my house, there's a really cool place called Vinyl Tap, which uh, you know, hopefully that hopefully that tickles a few people out there. <laughs> I think it's pretty great. Uh, but they are a used record store slash music venue uh, slash kind of local pub. And that place is very dangerous, um, as you can imagine, because it's within walking distance of my house. So I got to I gotta remember I have a mortgage to pay <laughs> when I get around places like that. So, it, you know, I've been pretty good lately. Um, but yeah, it's uh, I would say on net, it's... Um, it makes it easier because there's so much happening here. There's a lot of cool record stores. And frankly, like every second person you meet is doing something musically, which is really cool. And so I like to support people 
that I know directly like that whenever I can. So that that's always fun. It seems like a nice place where you can go and connect with other people with those similar interests outside of CrossFit as well. Yeah, yeah for sure. Dude, Corey, you know, you know Vinyl Tap? <laughs> oh, no, he's just saying it's 11. I get it. Um, yeah, Grimey's. Grimey's is a good one, too. Uh, not a taxidermy deer, says Adrian. Uh, no, that's not the one I wanted. <laughs> you don't want to answer that question? I'll answer that question. Um, Adrian, could you beat Pat Sherwood and Helen today? Can we get a very oh. random showdown? Would I beat Pat Sherwood and Helen today? Absolutely, yes, because he's like nine weeks post hip replacement. So yes, I would beat him today, but that's not a really a reflection on Pat's fitness so much as like he's had a major reconstructive surgery that's been, you know, a decade or two in the making. Um, Pat Sherwood at his normal, I would not want that heat. He's a good runner. That he is. Amy, I know you got something for, for Boz. So hypothetically, let's just say somebody who's been coaching CrossFit around CrossFit maybe 10 years or so was thinking about going for their level three. What advice would you give them to pass or to down that pursuit? Um, take your time. I think that for something like that, especially if you've been in the game a long time, um, everybody does this where they start to build up a certain level of kind of tacit knowledge where they say things, they do things, they have certain practices that they're, they're kind of automatic at this point and they don't really think about them. And, for a lot of us, that means that you can't really articulate them if you were to be asked why you engaged in something. And um, by contrast, I think if you have somebody who's like really a little bit fresher and still kind of has that first wave of enthusiasm, they're the people that, in my experience, tend to be able to answer questions like that a little more readily because it's top of mind and it hasn't become just kind of absorbed and automatic. So for the crew that's been around a little longer, I think you need to take your time and go back to the drawing board, not necessarily with what you're doing, but just can you explain it as well as maybe you did in the past? Have you thought it through recently? Um, and not only just because I think that's the right thing to do to pass the test, but honestly, I mean, it might shake some things loose that you've kind of ingrained that maybe they're not serving as well anymore. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing is to take your time and, and just kind of reevaluate. Like, can I still talk about these things um as well as maybe i could in the past and uh, am i still thinking about them with the same kind of granularity nice so my last question in this kind of intro part is and it kind of goes back to roe versus pause you're in a unique situation in crossfit where the the sport is growing we want it to grow and um but yet Everybody wants you to pay homage to the past. So how do you balance the two? Or are you still trying to figure that out? I mean, I think it's an experiment every year, right? Uh, I think there's enough framework and enough expectation that people kind of know what they're getting, even when there's season changes, etc. You know, you have a good sense of, of what the athletes are going to be required to do and, and, and when. Um, but it is tricky, you know, because you can't go back. And I feel like everybody's kind of victim of this at some point where like sooner or later, all of us, we kind of have nostalgia for a time that maybe never really existed. You know, you, you take a look back and you kind of idealize it, but 
for those of us that lived through it, you're like, yeah, there were some amazing times there, but like, it was not perfect. Uh, you know, there was some awesome things that we developed on the fly that we experimented with. It worked out well, but man, there were plenty of things that didn't go to plan that weren't really good successes that we had to learn the hard way from too. So, um, I think for anybody who's kind of opining for the past, like you have to take that good with the bad. It was not, it was not just sunshine and roses from, uh, from start to, to finish. Um, so I'm rambling a little bit, but I, I think it is trying to find that tightrope of like, Hey man, it should be classic CrossFit. It should be classic, uh, to the roots of what we know this thing to do, but we have to know where we are. I mean, it's 2024 things have moved past 2012, uh, which we're just not there anymore, no matter how, how much somebody might wish it to be. Um, speaking of tightrope, will we see one? No, okay. I can, I can, <laughs> I can, uh, I can absolutely put that one out there. No slack lines this year. No tight. We're not going that old school for those of you that, you know, pour over the old, old journals looking for things that we haven't done yet that are referenced there. No slack rope this year. All right. I love how you said that. At least in the open, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> the open. Yeah. Sure. Quarter quarterfinals. No promises. All bets are off at the quarterfinals. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad you said that because. I I want nothing more than this sport to grow and move forward. And I feel like there's this tug pulling us back. Um, and in order to grow, we have to reach a new audience. So if we keep, if we keep um, speaking to the audience we already have, we're not going to move forward in that way. And um, so I'm glad that you put it that way, that it, the past wasn't perfect. And you know, we were all complaining in 2013 and 14, just as much as we are today. Maybe, maybe about some different things, but <laughs> right, right. So, um, talking about a big change, we're moving to Fort Worth, Texas. Yeah, which is a massive change. Tickets went on sale today. If you didn't get yours, they were moving fast. Last I checked, uh, so make sure you get out there and get your tickets. Um, how does having the CrossFit games be 90% indoors affect the way you're going to program and tell the story throughout this year? Well, I don't want to put a percentage on it, but you're right. I mean, we are going to highlight that venue. It's a, it's an amazing venue. It's the nicest venue that the CrossFit games have ever been hosted by, um, bar none. It was built in 2019. So, you know, that'd give you a, uh, just kind of a sense of the modernness of it. Um, and, you know, one of the things that is unique about it, number one, the competition floor is huge. So that gives us a lot of utility. Uh, but there's also um, a lot of technical things in the back end that the broadcast team doesn't have to worry about because the venue is so new. They can basically plug in and show up. And so that'll give us some more opportunities on how we present the games, um, which is kind of nice. So to answer your question about programming, um, you know, really, it's just trying to maximize that competition floor that we do have. Um, and then when we do go offsite, you know, for some of the things that may occur, we just have to be really conscientious about when we're doing that and, and what effect that's going to have on the athletes. I think that's everybody's top of mind, right? We, we get reminded regularly that, uh, hey, it's hot in Texas. We're like, oh, we hadn't noticed. We, we had no idea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, so obviously there's a responsibility on our part that we're not putting athletes in a, a position where it's just like unreasonable to compete under the conditions they find themselves in. Um, 
and you know we're looking at ways that we can do that creatively but yeah the big the big one is that competition floor i mean it is awesome it's a it's a huge canvas with a lot of options yeah i i talked to heather at mfc and she was saying the plug and play at atmosphere or the pub, plug and play ability it just is game changing yep like and it's nothing they've ever had before as you crossfit um going into a location and it'll save a week's worth of time yeah i mean it's uh the the prospects are really exciting to us um and again it's one of those things where it's kind of strange to talk about with an audience that you know they may never have been involved with a big event and it's it's difficult to kind of wrap your head around what actually goes into something like that and how many people it takes to pull off and the coordination around it and so when some of those things are alleviated sometimes you know people may not notice that initially because they're just watching the competition and enjoying it as they always have uh without you know maybe as much uh knowledge as to how much of a difference it really made for the team that has to run it so you know hopefully it translates both ways i, I really hope and i think it will that we can do some pretty spectacular things in there that we probably wouldn't have been able to do elsewhere and it's also easier for the team to pull that off so in my opinion that's what what we're all driving at is kind of this win-win so i um i have a big question because you told me on a previous podcast riding your bike between the venues was your way of clearing your mind <laughs> you don't have multiple venues now oh i hadn't thought about that scott you're stressing me out now <laughs> <laughs> so you have to figure something out bike or yeah maybe no no the whole point is that you have to travel the uh <laughs> the echo bike's not going to do it um yeah i think i'm going to have to figure something out there maybe it'll just be like a hot lap around the parking lot you know just like a fake travel somewhere i don't know yeah. i gotta put some thought into that well is a venue venue big enough you can just ride it through the venue it could be yeah maybe not when it's in full swing and everybody's running around though <laughs> yeah <laughs> whip through Vin vendor village real quick yeah. and Dave and I could do, uh, we could do uh, races around the parking lot. There you go. Charge admission, make some more money. There you go. Yeah, perfect. Sideshow. <laughs> um, but that'd be your Roe versus Boz right there. I, I, I feel yeah. more confident that I'd be able to hang with Roe on a bike. Mm. So maybe that's a, maybe that's an option. I don't know. He's there mayhem. All they do is bike now, right? Yeah, but, you know, he's old and banged up and he's got a little... <laughs> little mileage on them so um my next question is you had to you know moving to a place where dave and i use the 90 percent as dave's comment from his yeah. week review yeah. right yeah. to an indoor venue when you saw the off-season events be affected so tremendously by weather this year rogue Wadapalooza, both got torrential downpour yeah. And you guys with Alpaca in uh, two years ago totally changed like the, the feel of the games that year. Does that give you more um, confidence about your test going into a place that's, that's environment controlled? I wouldn't say confidence. I mean, it definitely, you know, it's validating to some degree, I guess, but I don't want people to read into that to think that me personally, that I feel that's the direction that CrossFit competitions need to go. I don't feel that personally. I think that that's one of the coolest things about 
uh, the CrossFit competitions broadly is that there is a range of ways to approach them. And I think the unique elements that some of these big events bring to the table is really what makes them awesome and, and what draws people to them. And yeah, some, some of those things bring some risk of having to change in the middle of the stream, so to speak. Um, but that's okay. So, you know, as far as us, yeah, it is nice to know that you have that kind of um, security with the venue that you've, you've selected. Um, but I, I, you know, honestly, I hadn't really thought about it and framed it in those ways that like, oh, wow, look at how difficult it was for these other events. Um, obviously, it's not easy to navigate your event that way when, when Mother Nature has other plans. Um, but in some broad stroke, I, I didn't take that to like, oh, well, right choice for us to move to Fort Worth even more so. Not, not in those ways. On the athlete side, I could see it being, you know, one less thing than that they would have to to kind of worry about again with the readapting to to that. So, yeah, it's interesting, though, you know, you hear both sides of it. And uh, I think that's true for most of the decisions that we make. You know, you have some people that are they get it they They love the direction that you're going. And then you have others that are skeptical right away. And, you know, that's fine. Um, but for this one in particular, we saw that and continue to see that where, you know, people are happy. I think that we're choosing to have like a pretty consistent weather <laughs> option. But on the other hand, it's like, well, how are you going to test all the things that you need to How are we going to make sure that we have a complete picture of the athlete that's on the top of the podium? Um, and I think that's a valid question. You know, we, we do have to solve for that, that not everything that you want to test in a broad test of fitness is going to be available in a Coliseum setting. And in, in taking it a step further, the spectators in 21 and 22, we had to, you had to evacuate the campground. That's right. Um, yeah. to get people and take them into the Align Energy Center for safety reasons. Amy and I were in hotels. The one hotel, the water came through the window. Mm -hmm. It rained so hard that one night. Um, and then the second year, like it woke everybody up in the hotel because of how bad it was. Um, it's got to be good from a spectator's point of view, knowing you're not going to be sitting in the rain or being evacuated from a campground has got to be a luxury as well. I would hope so. I mean, that's definitely, um, you know, something that you never want to have happen. Uh, it makes a good story in retrospect, but at exactly. the time, it's definitely pretty stressful. Uh, you know, and it is wild that, you know, one year we came in, I think it was Sunday morning. Uh, I believe it was 22 and um you know there are people sleeping in the kind of uh you know employee areas of the coliseum underbelly because there was nowhere else to go and they were all evacuated from the outdoors so yeah i mean it's uh yes i i hope it results in a better experience for everybody so going to this new venue it has a new it's gonna have a new feel are you excited about the prospects of what you guys are going to be able to do in that environment. Um, anytime you, you have a new frame on your picture, you, you can do some different things. Yeah, for sure. I think it's kind of like I said, when we were talking about the level three, where, you know, you get into a groove of doing something, you adopt these habits and maybe they're great habits to adopt, but sooner or later you might stop thinking about them in such um, scrutinizing terms. And I think that's, certainly true for remaining at a venue for many years, you know, like we've been at in Madison since 2017 and we know that venue really well. Now we know how to operate that venue really well. 
Um, but anytime you move to a new location, you know, I've been lucky enough now that we moved from Aromas to Carson and Carson to Madison, now Madison to Fort Worth. Uh, and, and seeing those transitions, it's like it always makes you reevaluate what has become business as usual and does it need to be business as usual. And in doing some of that, you uncover some things that you're like, oh, wh why didn't we think about it this way and, and approach it like this sooner? That's really cool. So, you know, not only is the venue, I think, really going to support the event, um, it does put our team in a position to rethink some things that, you know, they may have been great and an awesome fit for Madison, but they might not be the best fit for Fort Worth. So how can we make that even better? Um, and that's fun to me. It's like a giant puzzle. You get to kind of reexamine all the pieces again and say, okay, does it actually fit together best this way? Or is there another way that we can do it? Well, thinking about your team, you know, now that Dave's back, um, how have things kind of changed with that? Oh, it's been great. It's really nice to have another, uh, you know, head that we can bounce ideas off of. It's it's really cool because, you know, there are certain responsibilities that are kind of more in my domain. And obviously he's got his own responsibilities in his domain. Uh, but every once in a while, they'll kind of overlap a little bit and, you know, I'll take something and run with it or he'll take something and run with it. And uh, like we had a conversation just the other day where he's like, called me up and he's like, hey, I'm running with this thing. Don't do any more work on it. I want to take the first stab. I'm like, cool. Awesome. You know? And other times it'll be the inverse. Um, and so it's fun. It's really nice to bounce ideas off of each other that way. And I mean, man, Dave and I have had a, a working relationship since 2006. And, uh, you know, Dave's a friend of mine. Um, we get along really well. And we have the type of relationship where we can shoot each other really straight. You know, there's not a lot of pulled punches. Like if it's a dumb idea that Dave doesn't like, He's going to tell me right away. And same thing, like if he's talking about something, I'm like, dude, I think there's a way better way to do this. We're not going to beat around the bush and we're going to try to get to that best outcome. So it's great. Like I really enjoy and uh, I'm actually really thankful that I, I get to work with Dave in that way because um, I don't, you know, I got lots of great people that I work with, um, some of them for a long time, some of them not so long, uh, but it's rare that you find somebody that you can I don't know, just kind of be that unfiltered with uh, to get to the best result. Um, well, I think, I think that, it's a rarity. I think so. that takes a lot of trust with somebody. Yeah, and it, that takes sure. time to build that relationship in order to have that that kind of trust. Yep. And, and the other, Dave has admitted that he never got to mentor anybody into kind of what he did. Do you feel like that's happening now? he's becoming more of a teacher during these times or are you still just friends and shooting it straight? That's a great question. Uh, I, without putting it in those terms, yeah, I guess uh, some of that has happened. Uh, you know, some of it's just the nature of Dave's got a lot of responsibilities and he can't, you know, no, no single person can do it all. And so some of those responsibilities that I inherited and have still maintained since 2022, um, you know, there was kind of questions about like, well, what do you want to pick back up? What can you pick back up? And some of those things that I've retained, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, it's nice to have that kind of, I, I don't know if it's necessarily directly mentorship, but that sounding board for from somebody who's been in that hot seat for that long. Um, so yeah, I guess it is kind of a de facto mentorship. Uh, well, got to go through shit together. True. <laughs> yeah. You guys have been through a lot in yeah. what, 16, 17 years? Yeah, it's crazy to think about that. You know, when I first started CrossFit, 
and it was just like a really awesome thing that I was fired up on and that's all I wanted to do with my time. And, uh, you know, they started uh, expanding the seminar team and asked if I would intern, um, which I did. And eventually they said, hey, we're going to pay you to show up. Uh, like it blew my mind. I was like, well, awesome. I'll be here anyway, but yes. And so the point I'm trying to make is like, I never expected to have a career in anything, period. You know, never mind um, doing this really crazy thing <laughs> called CrossFit. And so like, I do look back sometimes and it's it's kind of mind blowing to me that A, it's been that long and B, like, you know, I, I've managed to uh, stick it out. It's, yeah, it's been really great. Couple quick questions from the, the audience. Um, predictions on open signups this year? Lots. I bet we get 350,000 people. Wow. That's, that's, I think, where we're going to... That's my hope. Um, and you can choose to answer this or not. Do you still talk to Greg? I don't talk to Greg regularly, but I did see him at Legends uh, in December. So that's cool. He and Sevon showed up, and so I got to catch up with him a little bit there. Um, yeah, that was great. I hadn't, I'm trying to think the last time I talked to him prior to that. It had been a while. So, yeah, it was nice to catch up. So the other person that uh, came into your life about a year and a half ago is uh, CEO Don Fall. And I, I want to ask just the overarching question, what kind of support do you, because I've been a very staunch supporter of Don since he took over. Um, I like what he says. I know that some of it is CEO speak, but I'd like to like dive into it and try to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And I've been a very staunch supporter of him. What kind of support do you get from Don? Um, this is a great question. And I would say that, number one, Don was put in a really hard spot. You know, like I think it's, um, man, I, I could not imagine coming into CrossFit in the modern era and being plunked down and said, and, and being told, hey, you got to figure this business out. <laughs> you know, like this, uh, there's a lot going on there. Um, and he inherited a lot of good things with that. And he inherited a lot of things that, you know, maybe weren't as smooth as they could have been. And so I think to Don's credit, what he's really tried hard to do in my eyes is get the different groups talking to each other more and, and soundboarding off of each other. You know, kind of my point about how important that is between Dave and I, it's like, yeah, if you have the seminar team and they're not talking to the affiliate team, like that's a real problem. Um, you know, and so when people have plans interdepartmentally, um, you know, the, the people inside the company can't be the last ones to know. And unfortunately, in the past, that has been the case. Uh, and so I think he's done a lot of work to help build trust within the team that, hey, we're going to talk about these things together. We're going to move forward together. And, you know, in that way, I think that's that's very supportive. Uh, because, like I said, in the past, sometimes it's like, hey, you hear something and the next thing you know, it's out in the open public and that's the direction you're moving. You're like, wow, I didn't work yeah. here for 10 years and I didn't know that that was coming down the pipe. So. So. I'm going to try to phrase this in a way that makes sense, but you've been around since the beginning. Why? Well, um, not quite. I, well, I, I'm like second wave, kind of. So this whole thing started with, with as a barbecue at Dave's Ranch. Oh, we're talking the games? Yeah. 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 Um, and through that, as you grew, there were missteps taken in the way things were communicated, in the way things were done. Now we're going through this wave with Don Fall. And he's learning on the fly as well. And it's almost like a repeat, in my opinion, 
from the early days of the games. Do you feel that being inside for both waves? Uh, I'm curious what you mean. Like, I'm not sure I follow. It's a repeat from the early days. Like, I, I, in what way? So I think, and Don himself has admitted, like, that communication could have been better on this announcement or that announcement. Sure. Um, yeah. And it's almost like because you almost have to be ingrained in this community to understand the feedback you're going to get and how instant it is. And it's, it's almost like he's going through what you all went through in the early 2010s. I see. Meaning, meaning he personally may not have been ready for the kind of just immediacy the community brings to the table. Is that is that what you're saying? Correct. The 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 criticism yeah, that got it. it bounces back on every announcement. Right. Um, well, I guess that's kind of where our responsibility, our meaning, you know, myself, all of the other old school people that are still working for CrossFit, you know, people that have been through these kinds of ups and downs. Um, you know, I do think that that's part of our responsibility uh, professionally is to to let them know, you know, when things like this can happen and and what's what's to be expected um because yeah you, you can't be privy to all conversations especially if you haven't been there in the past right so i think that's the give and take uh you know if he if he's going to be an effective leader back to this theme of trust it's like the only way that you can effectively lead is if you have people under you that are willing to work with you and to help you um, you know, leadership isn't just a one-way street. It's not, it's not a dictate, right? And if it is, it's probably not a very healthy organization. Yeah. I just, I want to get to a place where we're not cleaning up messes and we're just moving forward. And, yeah, sure. Um, and not that they're big messes. It's just when they happen, it, it's just frustrating, especially yeah. when you're embedded in this community of people who react. Um, yeah, it can get loud. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's move on from that. I want to get to rule changes, but real quick, I just noticed in your background, the alpaca trophy, and there's two of them. Did, did Roman give you both? I got to say, I mean, what a sweetheart. Yes, he did. He, he won the one this year and gave it to me on the field. And he said, I had the other one with me so that if I won them, I was going to give them both to you. It's like, oh, man, like what a what a guy, you know? So, yeah, it was really sweet, actually, at the end of the games this year. Um, a lot of the athletes had uh, put, like, they, they took his locker room sign off of the, um, the changing, uh, you know, athlete area, and they all signed it, and they got some of the key staff to sign it as well, and they presented it to him. And then, uh, you know, we had the Spirit of the Games Award, obviously, for him, and then he – had those for me and we kind of like exchanged signatures on some things. Like I signed a spirit of the games and he signed those for me. So yeah, it was a pretty cool moment for sure. Oh, very cool. So looking at some of the changes for the season, we've now changed our quarterfinals, right? So now we're the top 25% with that. Um, so do you think this is going to push people beyond their limits or are we going to make it a more doable thing for the group uh, a little bit of both i mean there will certainly be some things where i mean look i'm i'm like the perfect candidate for somebody that can skin of their teeth get into the quarterfinals 
and knowing what I know and doing what I do for, you know, the competition, um, you know, am I going to be able to make it through each one of those uh, workouts and be, you know, just cruising, but just get beat by somebody who's faster? No. You know, there's going to be some things that are going to be difficult and challenging for sure. Um, so what I've really put out to our team and what's really important to me that we're looking at when it gets to quarterfinals is, okay, you know, we want everybody to be able to get to the start line and begin the race, even if not everybody gets to finish the race. So if you're a quarterfinalist and you qualify, you know, you'll be able to start, you'll be able to get some, some work under your belt, but there's going to be some instances where, yeah, only the best are going to take it all the way. Before we move on, uh, Wad Zombie asks, is that a hint that we'll see Alpaca again this year? You just have to wait and find out. A three-peat, you never know. Um, and uh, Kenneth has a name for it, the Tripaca. I like it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so with the 25%, that's a lot more people. It was announced recently that you are putting together a, an online judging team to help with review. Can you briefly walk us through what their responsibility is? Is it final decision or just like a sorting group to get to the main judges? Yeah, great question. So this is something that is um, not constant every year. Like we always look at our review plans and they're always, you know, evolving. <clears throat> um, based, based on a number of factors, right? You know, how many days do we have to resolve the leaderboard? How many reviews can we support within that time? How many athletes do we have progressing? How many people do we have available? You know, like there's all sorts of questions that go into structuring that. Um, but broadly, the process for the person working is relatively similar year over year. So if you're just a, a review judge that's on that team, you are not making final decisions in most cases, unless it's, you know, complete um, catastrophe uh, what you are doing is making notes, making sure that you are accurately, uh, you know, assessing what's happening in front of you. And if you believe that a penalty needs to be levied, then that's going to be put up to the next layer of team lead. And so then the team leads will take a look and they'll, you know, make a determination. If they still can't make a determination, then it gets pushed up to one of our senior staff and they can take a third look at it. Um, and then regardless of the outcome, you know, the athlete can always appeal the decision and all they have to do is contact us and let us know there's a, there's a time frame that they have to do that. Uh, and if that happens, then that'll trigger another review from a separate person that has not already been in, in, involved in those initial reviews. So all that to say, I think the misconception because things happen, you know, they're there's no way for somebody to have full visibility of that process because of the decentralized nature of it. Um, I think that leads people to fill in the blanks with information that's not correct sometimes where it's like, Oh yeah, I just have some judge firing off a decision on me and it's just some faceless person that I'll never get to contact. It's like, no, the process is more involved in that. And um, you know, there's, there's going to be multiple people looking at your video if a major penalty is levied. So that's, that's really important for people to understand. Uh, and also important for people to understand that appeals process, we take that really seriously. And we do make sure that it's not the same person that was involved in any step of that review along the way that that fields your appeal so that it's a fresh pair of eyes. They get to see it again in the light of day. And it does happen sometimes where there's a disagreement. The person that fields the appeal looks at it and they say, you know what? Yeah, I think this judge was incorrect. I think this was the wrong decision and it does get overturned. So 
Yeah. Um, speaking of the judging, uh, this year's judging course, big fan. Oh, good. Thank you. I thought uh, it was yeah. great. It was very comprehensive, but it just flowed together so much smoother than the years prior, I think. Yeah. Credit to the team on that. That was uh, Dave Eubanks was a big, uh, big, big driver of that project this year. And uh, hats off to the team. That was a big focus was, hey, you know, we've heard feedback from the judges course year over year. Mm -hmm. And I think the most frustrating thing about it is having to retake some of those sections mm -hmm. again and again. If you get the wrong question, that can be pretty infuriating. So how can we alleviate that? And it, it sounds like from a lot of the feedback we've got that, that we did a pretty good job with that this year. I think so, for sure. And just to finish up the online judging, they, it's not just like you sign up and you do it. It's an application process. Correct. These are people yes. that have done it in the past who have a history of judging. Um, and so it's not just me and Amy in there just picking who we like. Correct. Yes. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's a whole process. And it's, you know, and that's one of the things that, again, it's a tough part of the season because of the timing, right? We, meaning the team resolving this competition, we're always at a bit of a time disadvantage because the scores get submitted, the competition's over, everything's kind of said and done, and then it takes us a long time to sort through the volume of video reviews. And to do it correctly, meaning, yeah, it's not just a judge making decisions unilaterally, and there are multiple people in this process, yeah, it takes a long time. And that's why we have this uh, you know, period where the competition's over, but we still have that 10, you know, sometimes shorter, depending on how quickly we can through things, um, period of time where the results aren't final. And, and I get that that's a little unsatisfying because you're like, man, the competition closed on Sunday or whenever it was. And it's now the next Saturday and we still haven't gotten final results. What's the deal? Well, that's because we're taking the time to go through it and, you know, execute that process. Uh, Sarah Cooper asks, what are the red flags that would trigger a review? Uh, it depends on, the, I mean, there's several. I mean, there's the video submission standards that are outlined in the rule book. So if those aren't followed, that's that's a red flag right out the gate. Um, you know, there's obvious ones like not doing the workout in the right order or with the right weights or with the right rep scheme. That's obvious stuff right away. Uh, and then the more routine stuff is just the movement quality itself. Are these repetitions being done to standard? Um, you know, and if if there's a... Uh, a, a problem there, then that's going to get flagged and more people are going to have to take a look. So I want to move on to semis real quick. And that is um, a couple things I really like and one thing I really don't. So I'm just going to be transparent. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, so semis, first of all, um, back to the event organizers. I love that. These are people that do this year over year over year and are really good at what they do. You have Loud and Live yeah. doing, and these are just examples, Loud and Live doing uh, the Carson semifinal. You have the 12 Labors crew doing Syndicate Crown. Those guys are good yeah, at what they're they incredible. Do. Yeah. What? Why was that decision made? Just after a year doing it, we're like, we're done? <laughs> I mean, it really just comes down to, you know, we have people that are, as you pointed out, they're skillful at what they do. They've done it in the past. They've got a track record of being able to do these things really well. Uh, and then the reality of the size of our team and, uh, you know, semifinals last year being involved with the, uh, the, the larger semis that we hosted, 
uh, it was a big stretch for the team, you know, and there was a lot of impact uh, on that, that we're like, we had to take a hard look and say, okay, is this something that we can realistically support year over year over year? And getting back to the thread that we talked about before, like, do we need to commit to doing this the same way? Um, and, you know, after re-examining it and looking at it, you know, a bunch of different ways, that was the best outcome uh, was to, you know, let's, again, tap into some of these people that have a proven track record of throwing great events and, and have them run with it. At the games, Don, during a press conference, said, you guys are really financially stable during the open and really financially stable at the games. It's the middle stuff. Yep. And that seems where like the most change has happened. And so I love that he said that. And now the actions taken are matching that up. But there, here's the one I don't like. And yeah. that is yeah, give cuts, it to me. The cuts in North America and Europe from 60 to 40. Yeah, fair enough. I think that that's a, a fair criticism, you know, especially given the competitive depth. Totally understand that argument. And I can see where people, you know, they're, they're going to have issue with that. Uh, you know, one of the things that Dave was very big on was, okay, we've got all these different stages. Each stage is run a little bit differently. Even within each stage, there's discrepancies from region to region. It just makes the whole thing really hard to follow as a fan and, you know, sometimes as an athlete. And so one of the big directions that he gave, um, you know, at the end of last year was we need to look at ways that we can be more consistent across the board. Um, you know, so you know the number of qualifiers, you know the number of seats available, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, that transcends even to if we look at the competition structure for quarterfinals, you know, the last couple of years you had one um, competition schedule for the team teams and one for the individuals groups and they all had slight variations to them this year it's like no we're, we're going to run them all in a similar fashion they open on the same day of the week they close on the same day of the week there's as, about as routine uh execution of that as possible and and so we're you know really kind of stemmed out of those conversations it's trying to make things um more consistent but but i do understand that argument of like hey you know you have a lot of depth in these regions and, and there's athletes that are on the bubble that you know, they're not going to be there this year. So I, I do understand that. Yeah. And, um, and we, I mean, this, this show really embraces the semifinal athlete. So I think that and bubble athletes, it, yeah, yeah. It really hits us hard uh, that, that yeah. that will be taken down a bit, but you're going back to Carson for semis, um, which I really dove in um, both volunteering and then media after you left Carson. So I've never been. Oh, wow. So I'm super excited to finally get there. But I have this question. Are we going to have you? Are we going to have consistent programming throughout all the semis again? Yes. So the semifinals will all be the same program. Yep. Uh, now, obviously, there's going to be venues that have various footprints, you know, like the Carson Tennis Stadium is a little bit of a different uh, size than may say maybe a convention center somewhere else. So, you know, there may be minor concessions given to each region so that they can fit it within the confines of their venue, but the program will be the same. Okay. Cause I, in my head, I'm like, how logistically are you going to be, it, it's one, it's outdoor. Um, two, it's a different shape than like a basketball court. Yeah. And so how are you going to 
be able to pull that off. Yeah, and and again, it's just looking at you know the floor layouts may may change slightly from region to region based on their venue restrictions, but the program itself is going to be the same. Okay, sounds good, and I'm excited. That's going to be a blast. Uh, and it's so cool that they're going back. Um, those West Coast region athletes, like that's going to be such a fun event. I can't wait. Corey says, in other words, it'll yeah. be regionals. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's one of the hidden, most difficult things of running CrossFit game season, in my opinion, that's always been uh, one of the hardest things like the games, you get to the games and you literally have an army of people that are willing to make changes on the fly, adjust as needed. You know, it's not to say it always goes perfectly, um, but there's a willingness to adapt and it's only one show. And so if a change of plan happens, sometimes people don't even know because they didn't know the original plan until the updated plan was executed. Right when you contrast that with something like semis or regionals man regionals were very very difficult to run um because the the game was replication you've got you know at one point we had like 12 different semi or regional events you know and we're running different venues in different countries often in different time zones with different layouts and we're trying to be as consistent as possible replicating that with different staff different volunteers very very challenging thing to do um, and so, you know, that's, that's always the goal is to try to get it to be as, uh, close across the board as you can. But I think the more mature approach is like understanding that, yeah, certain venues are going to have certain limitations. And that doesn't mean that we have to try to force it into, um, you know, the same box and the programming can still remain the same. It just looks maybe a little bit different. It's so funny you talk about that because my first games volunteer experience was very different than regionals, right? At the games, I, I was working uh, North Park, 17, Strongman Sphere. That changed like three times before we ever took the floor. And we're back in one of those barns, like just practicing how to load the equipment, get it ready, and then there'd be a change and we'd have to do it again. Um, and you're right, there's just a super team of volunteers and people all willing to practice that and do that uh, on a moment's notice. Yeah. And again, you know, contrast that in the, the semifinals, regionals um, kind of sphere. Any decision like that has such a long tail, you know, not only in executing it on site, but trying to communicate it to the other regions so they can do the same, updating the documentation so everybody's looking at the same thing. You know, it's just there's a lot more involved to try to get that many people on the same page. Um, across different different areas than it is to uh you know have to do it once even if it is on a huge stage obviously the games um you know doing it once is it's a different thing so we're going to get into age groups now and Corey says scott tell i said thank you for making masters semifinals top 200 again so you're saying there's a chance yeah right on Corey. go get him um you did visits to the pit to legends um, to Wheelwad, yep. and I saw Heather at MFC even. What were your takeaways and what were you trying to achieve by making those visits, knowing that they're going to be split off and running it for the first time? Yeah, I mean, really just wanted to show some support to those event organizers. I mean, you know, it's not, it's a little bit of hubris to think you're going to show up and like, help them out it's like they know what they're doing that's why we've selected them as um 
you know, events to to take these divisions. Uh, and so really it's like, hey, if we're on site and we can connect the dots on some things or if they do want to talk and pick our brains about ways that we approach things, um, you know, we were happy to do that. And in some instances we did. Um, but really it was just about relationship building and making sure that they understand that, like, yeah, we're taking this seriously and, and they're really important partners to us. And so we're going to show up It was as simple as that. What were you, what will your involvement be with the programming there? For each one of those uh, events, they are largely responsible for their own programming, but they're going to soundboard off of us. And we, we've already started that process with a couple of them, which is really fun. And uh, from the initial conversations we have, it sounds like it's fun both ways because, you know, you don't always get to have people with experience that love to run events, uh, you know, take a look at your stuff and, and kind of go back and forth with it. So, um, so far, it's been a really fun process. At what point will they pick up the programming during the season? Because the Open is their qualifier, just like it is for the elite athletes. Yes. Yeah. So if you think about um, well, Wheelwad's a little bit more unique, uh, you know, they'll run their secondary stage after the Open and it'll be um, mostly their program uh, almost exclusively. And then the games, uh, you know, they'll they'll do that, too. We'll soundboard with them. We'll, we'll help them, uh, you know, review that as much or as little as they'd like. Um, the age groupers for both uh, Legends and Pit, uh, when we get to the semifinal stage, so that's still online, that's the 200, like Corey just mentioned, um, that'll be a joint effort. So the uh, Legends and Pit, they're going to take the first swing, and then we'll kind of come back and forth and craft it with them. You know, we're, we're going to be doing the, the review on it, so we want to make sure that it's something that's viable for online competition and makes, makes sense in that format, but they're going to take first swing. And then, obviously, when they get to the finals, it'll be them uh, generating the program with our um, kind of overview. This is my personal plea. It's been my, my thorn in my side. It, you guys do it so well. And it makes it so noticeable at other events. People should always finish opposite the chaos. <laughs> what, what do you mean by that? So if at the end of the lane, I mean, I like it as a statement, but <laughs> well, <laughs> illustrate it for us. See a yeah. finish line, right? So, and I've been critical of legends and MFC and and all of that because. A lot of times you can't tell who's going for chalk or who just finished. Yeah. Because right? the chaos, the chaos of the workout is going on in that same spot as the finish line. Got it. Yeah. So rather than have the, they should run down the floor away from the chaos so you can see who's finishing when. Well, I love that point. And hopefully that's one of the things that we can help them with. Um, you know, that's kind of adjacent to programming. You know, like a, a floor layout, ultimately, if if the test makes a lot of sense and, you know, it's appropriate holistically when you look at everything else that's going on, um, you know, the, the way it's laid out probably shouldn't take priority over some of these other important factors. But there's always ways to kind of approach things that a fresh set of eyes can help out with. And again, you know, to Dave's credit, I think that's something he's always been very critical of is what's the race? What does it look like? to try to follow this thing. Um, and so that's one of the ways that we can help to support these, these groups. Uh, even if we're not like changing the program per se, 
we can at least filter it that way and say, okay, well, what does it look like when we actually have to spectate it? How can we make that better, even if the program isn't really changing? So here's the difficult question, and I know you you don't probably don't have a lot that you can tell us, but we don't know the dates for Pit and Legends. We don't know the location for Legends, and I know that probably wasn't your intent at no. this point. Yeah, I mean, it's the... Oh, sorry, I'll let you finish your question. Go no, no, go ahead. I'll let you answer that. I, yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, that's the um, that's the large event difficulty, you know, like securing a venue that makes sense to the organization financially, that supports the dates that are, you know, reasonable from the last qualifier, uh, that your staff can attend, that you can, you know, have a good confidence that you'll have a, a volunteer pool available. You know, like that's not an easy thing to do, and it's not a decision that's that's taken lightly, at least if you want to do it well. Um, so again, it's like it's unsatisfying when you have these divisions that don't know exactly where when their final's going to be. Yeah, no, nobody wants that for sure. But do I want the diligence to be done so that the right venue is selected for the right reasons? Absolutely. Um, you know, I'd rather I'd rather that as imperfect as that is, that that's not a hasty decision. Um, that's pressured by like, hey, we need to know immediately. It's like, no, let's get to the best outcome first, and then as soon as we know, we can announce it. So I, I had a talk with one of your coworkers that said that the, something that's exciting them is that you guys are talking in blocks of years future-wise as opposed to year-to-year. -year. So my question about what's happened with these dates is, are we putting systems in place so that we're not dealing with this year after year? That's the hope. And that's a, that's across the board, you know? So, you know, I think we have to recognize, <laughs> excuse me, that, um, you know, the decision to have these uh, events take on some of the divisional finals, um, you know, it happened pretty quickly. And, uh, you know, we were right before 2024 when everything was getting finalized that's not a lot of time for an event planning cycle to secure a venue and to have all that ready to go so you know yes i think now that this is an established path forward and you know we haven't run it yet so i'm speculating a little bit i think it's going to be a great outcome i think it's going to be the right thing for those divisions um and so all that being said yes it allows us to be earlier with all of these types of decisions in future years so I have two good questions from the crowd. Uh, first one is uh, Wad Zombie. Will there be any changes to media access for the game season this year? Less restrictions, more restrictions? That's a great question. I don't have a good answer yet because we're still sorting through a lot of that. So I don't, I don't know. I got to plead the fifth. Sorry, man. Clydesdale gets everything. Everybody That's else. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Special access for Scott because he invited me on and uh, we'll figure the rest of you guys out later. <laughs> <laughs> um carolyn prevo hi boss hey what's All up well just getting on here right now wondering if you guys talked about putting age group events and adaptive divisions prior to the games to showcase it during commercials or between events yeah i love that idea and no we hadn't talked about it um you know those event organizers have looked at you know dates on both ends of things and you know internally we think that either way is a win for exactly the reasons that you just mentioned it's like if they go earlier than the individuals and teams 
well, great. We'll have things to talk about with those divisions. Um, and if they go later, well, then great. They get the entire spotlight and we can really hype up during the games that, hey, there's more to come. So either way, I think it's going to be a, a, good, a good look. Well, that's all the grilling I have for you today. <laughs> oh, man, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. What, what part of the season do you get most excited for? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, I think, like, if I had to pick one, which that's the question, I, the games, for sure. Like, there's just nothing like it. Um, and, you know, we've been in so many situations with the games over the years where it's like, man, can we even pull this off? And then we do. And I don't know. There's something about the games that's really special. So if I had to pick one, that's it. But every stage has its own, you know, kind of really cool aspect to it, in my opinion. You know, like the open is, I mean, the open is the open. It's, I, I love the open. Um, it, what's to be said about that? You know, like it's just getting that many people fired up about this fringe thing, you know, I think is so cool. Uh, quarterfinals is where you really start to get to see people separate. And to me, that's always fun where you're like, hey, I do CrossFit and you do CrossFit, but wait a minute. Maybe you're doing something really a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's levels that start to emerge at that stage. Um, and then the semis is just kind of a continuation of that. You know, I think the live, the live format can't be beat, in my opinion. Uh, so like getting to that where you're like, all right, now we get to see these people away from their, you know, comfortable training environment, away from their, um, you know, routine how does that play out? What does it look like when you get these people on the same room competing on the same floor? That's really great. Then, you know, culminating in the games is awesome. Um, so you brought up levels. So speaking of levels, we doing anything with these levels? Uh, we're going we're gonna to run the same uh, basic program that we have run, meaning, yes, you'll get a level out okay. of the, the open. Uh, if you're at that level where you're moving to the quarters, you'll be able to refine your level at quarters. Okay. Um, you know, and, and we don't have a huge expansion on that for this season. Um, but again, we're looking at hopefully back to the point about years out that this will be something that we can continue to slowly evolve over time to the point that it trickles down into the community, um, even with events that maybe aren't, uh, you know, directly tied to us. Because I do think that there's a need for local events to just have a better handle of who they're putting these events on for. I've heard it at the local level many times where you have somebody who's like, man, I was really excited to compete until so-and-so showed up and they just blew everybody out of the water. And it, it kind of dampened the effect yeah. knowing that we're not really playing the same game, you know? Exactly. Um, so yeah, I think there's lots to be done there with that system. Um, we just, we just haven't been able to prioritize that yet. Still developing. Yep. That, that's what Amy used to do all the time. She'd show up at competitions and just crush the field and <laughs> crush everybody, take all the, the prize money, yeah, all the fit aid, walk away. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's ruthless that way. Hey, man, somebody's got to do it, right? That's right. It's tough winning all the Until time. They get a better because... handle on it. I'm going to keep showing up. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully, we get to see Roe versus Boz again this year oh, in man, some form or fashion. That'd be, be awesome to see it live again. Oh man, you give me all sorts of anxiety just thinking about <laughs> that. 
That's apparently that's my job this show. No bike <laughs> at the games. Roe versus Boz live. Yep. No, I'll recover. It'll be all right. Well, I want to thank you so much for being on and answering our questions. Um, I look forward to seeing you out on the road as we get through uh, the season this year uh, and can't wait to get back to to get to go to Carson for the first time ever. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you guys for having me. I really appreciate it and I uh, appreciate what you guys do. Um, you know, and to anybody out there listening, uh, hopefully you'll see you at some of these events and come say hi uh, if you're there. Yeah, um, Wad Zombie said you ignored him last year at semis, I, and he expects. I saw that him. on some. I can't remember where he made that comment, <clears throat> and I don't recall that. So it was an <laughs> unintentional snubbing, if that was the case. All right, well, we'll let you go, Boz. Have a great time. Uh, stay away from the vinyl shops because uh, I'm already spending enough money for both of us. Just a little, just a little bit, you know. <laughs> We'll catch everybody next time on the Clydesdale Media Podcast. Bye, guys. Thanks, guys. C4 Energy, Extend, and Cellucor are delivering the most effective, best tasting, and highest quality products for you. Get 20% off when you use the code Clydesdale at checkout at C4Energy.com. That's C4Energy.com. And now back to the interview.